This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Minding Creative Minds is a comprehensive well-being and support program available 24-7, specifically designed for the Irish creative sector, including professionals in the film and TV industry. Experience peace of mind knowing that a skilled team of trained counsellors and psychotherapists are at your disposal. They provide medium-term intervention and expert guidance on managing day-to-day challenges that often lead to anxiety and stress. <sighs> Discover the valuable assistance Minding Creative Minds offers by visiting mindingcreativeminds.ie today. Take the first step towards enhanced well-being in your creative journey in confidence. Hello, everybody. You're very welcome back to another episode of FNI Rap Chat on the Headstuff Podcast Network. You can listen to this show on Spotify, um, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your uh, film and TV podcast content, Stitcher, I don't know, I can't think of that, Acast, all those places. Um, um, also, FNI related news, we have a couple of things coming up over the next summer months. We have a FNI Fast Fest Festival, which is a shooting screen festival over 72 hours, which we'll be doing in Dublin, but inviting people from all over the country to come and take part. So basically, basically it'll be teams of five filmmakers um, uh, working together uh, under a very tight deadline um, to make short films, of which there will be uh, a fairly decent, we're very delighted to uh, announce a very decent prize fund for that, which we're working on with a number of organisations we'll, um, and, and uh, businesses of which we'll announce at a later date, TBC, but it uh, really promises to be a really fantastic um, coming together of uh, some great creatives, film and TV creatives and artists from all over the country. Uh, so keep an eye on social media for that, we'll be announcing more news about that as it comes up. And then later in the year we'll have our FNI Expo event like we had last year, like Unmasked, if you were at that. So it'll be a day-long event of industry talks and networking opportunities with some uh, brilliant people across the industry and we shall be having that at a very, very exciting venue of which will be confirmed at a later date. Day, today. <laughs> I'm joined by uh, an old friend of mine and a wonderful actor um, uh, who has been acting for probably the same amount of time I have um, and has been part of the larger firmament of the Irish film and TV environment. Uh, a wonderful actor. I think about the next bits. Uh, actor, writer director, playwright, um, and teacher now, as it happens. Um, and somebody who really cares about the, the uh, creative uh, audiovisual industry, a gentleman, Carl Argue. Hello. Hello, Paul. How are you? <laughs> Do you like that intro? Are you embarrassed? Um, I thought it was beautiful. Yeah, I thought it was perfect. You could have went on for another 20 minutes. Well, uh, hold on, I'll get into it. <laughs> uh, so Carl's been around for a while, and he's... he's um, um, He's really earned his stripes in terms of uh, his not only his acting career, but uh, he's he's been in over I don't know how many sh- films and TV b- Sh- short films. You were going to say I, I was in over one hundred and twenty short films, which which the number alone is uh, giving me some uh, fame. And uh, 
pity. <laughs> <laughs> You're like the Billy the Kid of uh, of uh, the fastest on the draw of yeah, shorts man. in the country. Um, I suppose today, just having, uh, you know, from my perspective, I, I wanted to get you in just to have a chat about kind of, um, I suppose, re- res- resiliency and, you know, the creative spark and how, for someone like you, who is obviously still very much an actor, still very much a writer, um, somebody like you, how they keep diversifying to survive, how they take the creative spark that they have for idea generation or acting or being creative in general how you deal with that and how you've applied that to other stuff in order to not only to survive but also to keep yourself sharp and keep yourself creative and feel engaged and engage other people yeah. as well um, it's, it's a big question and it's nearly something that you'd have to sort of separate like, so this is a two episode podcast it's two her. episode podcast so when it, com- when it comes to the acting part of it yeah. uh, what I've found as an actor like start, starting professionally when I was 18 in or 18 um, what year year was it Jesus three four years ago yeah so, so like professionally I started like <laughs> uh, uh, I suppose it was probably just gone on in 1997 so I was like 18 mm-hmm. and uh, I think what happened with the creativity and the the longevity of, of it all is you, you have to keep changing you have to keep growing like what I was attracted to as an actor then is completely different from what I'm attracted to now. The choices I would make as an actor then are completely different from what I would make now. Mm-hmm. Back then, it was all, I was so interested in method acting and uh, the the legends that we'd hear about, you know, De Niro and Day Lewis and, you know, the actor's studio and all the stuff that was coming out of there. Uh, that was something, something that was really attracted, that I was really attracted to and now I sort of think, um, uh, let's just be real, man. You know, <laughs> let's just be real. Yeah, let's yeah, yeah. just, like all of those people, all they were trying to do when they created that stuff was they're teaching people how to act and they're teaching people uh, an ideology about acting. But like, even though those people do that stuff, you know, and I was interested in that stuff, when it came down to it and they say take it's I'm grabbing at anything that will work you know mm-hmm. and it's not ne- necessarily like one ideology you know like one line of creativity yeah yeah you know I mean it's that toolbox thing isn't it I mean uh, both of us teach um, I teach voiceover obviously and you teach uh, a very successful uh, continuing group actors group called the actors workshop the actors workshop Dublin yeah excuse me because it's in Barcelona Spain and Peru and <laughs> 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 but uh, um, but uh, you know it's you know I, I, I like you I you know um, used to be I wouldn't say obsessed but certainly more interested in kind of the method method route of acting but I found it just turned in my own experience it turned my mind inside out and made me made me if if anything maybe in lots of ways more aware of what I was doing because I was too concentrated on it trying to be too natural you know yeah. Um, so it's a toolbox, you know, uh, like what I often talk about with my students that I work with, particularly in terms of voiceover, because I work from a characterization point of view. I help them to create avatars to perform because then it's not themselves, so it's easier for them to shake off the nerves. And they, you know, they have their hats, so it's that kind of check-off thing, like psychological gestures where they go, you know, I have aggressive person, I have, um, you know, sympathetic, I have flirtatious, I have these characters, and I have voiceover guy or girl you know and then I put on these hats depending on what I'm playing or what the what the script asks for you know yeah. based on what they're working on whether it be like a you know a animation piece or explainer video or whatever else but uh, just getting back to what you were saying it is that thing where it should only be part of a, a toolbox of different things that you can use to when you it, hit the wall right it, whatever works man whatever yeah. works you, you know you start off and you want to be a great actor you want to be great I want to be great. I still want to be great. But when it comes down to it, I, I think, just... I, I think you're great, Carl. I just want to be real. I, do, I don't want to be... I don't want to fuck it up. I don't I don't want to let down the director or the project. I want to be... Obviously, I want to be true to the character. I want to put all of the work in. And I, I want to be... I want to trust that the, the work is there, especially for a screen, you yeah. know? Um, but it's like... It's whatever works. And everyone's an individual, so, so everyone... Just, like one suit's not going to 
fit everyone. You know? Yeah, I wish that, like for me, I wish there was more of an emphasis on mindfulness and being present instead of it being perfect and perfectly naturalistic. Mm. You know, I think being grounded. You know, it, I, obviously society has changed in terms of its attitude towards mindfulness and meditation and. Um, healthy psychological Re states. Relaxation you know? is so important when it comes to acting. Yeah. You know, and, and it's like it's how do you how do you, how do you tackle your mindfulness and how do you stay grounded mm. when when there's fifty technicians running around you, mm -hmm. putting lights up and doing their job. You, it's, it's it's very difficult. You know. Yeah. Oh, they they tell me that you're like the Don Reavy of acting coaches, where you you give people rub downs. And stuff. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> In this day and age, no, 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 <laughs> no, Jesus. Back in my day, um, no, no, no I'm kidding. I, but you, look, you really care about people that you work with, don't you? In the studio. Uh, well, I've been, I've been very fortunate to uh, to meet a lot of cool people. You know, like like my the Actors Workshop Dublin. It's it's a very small uh, boutique kind kind of a school, and uh, I I don't I don't have a need to sort of get loads and loads of people in. I've been working with, with with a group. Some of some people have been with me for seven years. Wow. Okay. Um. And uh, I've learned. This sounds like a really sounds so cheesy. I've learned more from them than, <laughs> than they've learned from me. But it's true. But it's true. It's people. It's like and like the reason why I, lo I like to keep it small and I like I like to I I I want to enjoy the experiences as much as they do and I want I want. A cool bunch of people yeah. in the room because these are the people that are in my life and in that moment and those are the people that I'm hanging with, you know. Yeah, yeah, it is important to, for everybody to. And I, I've seen s talent, man. I have seen such uh, talent in these actors coming in, and and how things have changed. Are so many people come to me and they've got day jobs. They're making a lot of money, or they're making little money, or they have their own career. The idea of somebody. You know, twenty years ago, going okay, fuck it, I'll I'll become an actor. It was more viable. You could work a part time job and you could, could survive. Yeah, these people are working full time jobs and they can barely survive. So the idea th that these really re great talented people, more talented than, than I am, uh, would would leave their day job that that that's paying their bills yeah. to to pursue a career in acting where they've zero money, it just it won't happen. You know, it's baffling, isn't it? It's that's that's the way the world is now. So we're losing a lot of talent, a lot of great, a lot of like, like we don't know what we're losing really. Yeah, like, what's what's slipped kind of through the cracks in terms of people that, and I don't want to make it a working class versus a kind of middle to upper class debate, but you know you have to ask yourself if, you know, if work particularly working class people or people that are maybe having a little bit of a harder time of it in general, paying their bills and stuff. How are they? What like how many of them are slipping through the cracks? If they ca if there's no buoyancy aids financially, yeah, for them, you know. Now, kudos to the to the government for doing the you know the artists bursary or subsidy, um, you know. But that's you know a, a small step in terms of where things should go in terms of that, you know. It's twenty or thirty twenty or thirty years too late. I know for a start, the, yeah. the actors center. I know. Vinnie McCabe years ago was was uh, was canvassing for that and his his fellow actors. And that was back in the eighties, man. Jesus. It was back in the eighties, like yeah, yeah. So it's I don't know why it's taken so long. Yeah, you know, it's a wonderful thing. But again, even though the fact that it's in, it's still only in, uh, you know, and it's it's still only a trial, as I understand, or a pilot scheme. I mean, yeah, I mean there should be there should be. Um, there should be a like a, a percentage for each creative practice and not just a general number for mm -hmm. you know two thousand people because then you know the the lines are blurred um so what about like just just in terms of acting I just want to get this down on a very rudimentary level from your perspective what makes a good actor what makes a good individual what makes a good actor um Somebody who can be authentic, somebody who can be truthful, somebody who can uh, take great, take good direction, simple direction. And mm -hmm. um, I suppose when it comes down to all these technical things, l like uh, 
uh, they can be learned. Like it's very, I find it very difficult to teach people how to, you know, hit their marks and go, go through all this stuff. You can show them, you can show them a few times, yeah. but you're not going to spend session after session walking people through this. It's very tedious. It's kind of something that you kind of have to learn on on the job. But if if somebody can be in the moment and true, then mm. they have a potential of of being a good actor. Yeah. A great actor, I don't know, something special. Barry Keown, Barry Keoghan. Keoghan. Keoghan, yeah. He's a natural. He's he a just has it, yeah. He's a great actor, you know. Mm-hmm. The, the, there's a, there's a mil- million young teenagers and kids in their 20s now going, oh, I'm going to be the next Barry, Barry Keoghan. They're not. <laughs> <laughs> They're not. You can be the best you you can be. Yeah. I suppose that's that's it. Like, if you c- if you can if you can be as true to yourself as possible. Yeah. Like, like w- I went to LA and I, I did a bit of training over in LA and the one thing that they, like we're big into, you know, changing ourselves and morphing ourselves into being characters and being different from ourselves. Like over there, it's all like, nobody's seen Paul Butler Lennox, you know? N- yes. Nobody sees me over here either. Nobody sees your, <laughs> nobody sees your personality <laughs> on screen. There's nobody else that's like you on screen. Yeah. So when it comes to screen acting, it's just like, let's, let's master you first in, in, when I was training for the stage it was all like Carl you have to take the mask off first before you can put it on yeah, yeah. you know and that's it like you know I, I think everyone should give it a go like, like I meet a lot of people they don't do it just for a career they do it for their mental health they're do, do, doing it for it's something that they've always wanted to do confidence even Every confidence building confidence yeah. is brilliant I get a, a lot of people you know, have problems with public speaking. There's a lot of shy people who are yeah. really, really good actors. You know, and they, they didn't know that they they could they could do anything like this ever. You know, yeah. Um, it's it, like uh, for those of you who are listening, who um, you know, are thinking about getting into any sort of like the arts really does save a lot of people's lives, and it, it is a huge um confidence builder. So I'd encourage anybody, even if you're not, you know, even if it's not something that you want to. Um, go into full time it is something that people should explore it will help them I think so yeah yeah. Uh, or uh, any creative practice yeah. g- give it a go why like wh- why do people put everything off for so long mm-hmm. I found it. we were going to talk and the way it. you put off coming on this podcast oh yeah yeah it's years. been a few years man <laughs> <laughs> podcast like I, I definitely th- I think I'm the only person that doesn't have a podcast yeah like so, you do now. I I have this podcast, <laughs> uh, but I, I love the idea that that you wanted to talk about creativity. You know, like mm-hmm. like I was thinking about about that, and I was sort of thinking, you know, like I I stopped and I quit. Like, to, can we can we get real? Can we get Let's personal? Get so real. Get all up in my real grill. So before the pandemic, I had uh, my mom died, mm. and then soon after that, like uh, a while after that, uh, my stepfather died. And uh, I kind of went a bit kooky, went a bit, went a bit downhill for a while. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, thank God for the pandemic, so I'd be isolated for two years. Um, but <laughs> but the thing that saved me w- was uh, uh, creativity, mm-hmm. you know? Like, uh, I suppose it, w- it was, I was in a battle with myself and I picked up my camera and I started taking film pictures again. I went back to college. Uh, I did an MA in screenwriting. You know, I tried to jog. I tried to. Do, I I would go for a run and then take pictures and then run back and then write some pages and you know, like it was creativity. Creativity really saved me yeah. in that moment and I kind of grew in that moment. Like during the pandemic, I, like I'm not the only person who's sat back and questioned, like, really, what am I doing with my life? Mm-hmm. Like what is it? Like like I've made I've made films, I've been in films, I've done plays. These are things that like uh, uh, I'm very privileged to have experienced. Mm-hmm. I'm not planning to just do that over and over and over and over again. You know, like what is it that I actually want? You know, so I question these things. Do you want me to answer that? What you want? Yeah. I don't. I don't know what you this want. This is more of a monologue <laughs> than, a, than a dialogue. <laughs> no, but I, I. I think I know exactly what you mean. I mean, reevaluating and kind of re, reevaluate. It's interesting what you mentioned about doing it for or looking at what you do differently from or your wants have changed, or your reasoning behind what you do has changed from twenty years ago or twenty odd years ago to now. 
um, and you do it for different reasons now. Like I remember, is it maybe, uh, is it like this for you as well? I remember when I was younger. Obviously, when you're younger, you're more rambunctious. You're overly confident. You're full of, you know, spit and guile. Um, but I remember looking at teaching, or the idea of teaching, and I remember it came up um, when I was in my twenties, and people had said to me, "You'd be a very good teacher because you're." you're good with people yeah um and i kind of dismissed it automatically and completely ignored the fact that i actually would be quite good at it you know and there's always that thing you know those who can't do teach kind of thing but then i think you know when i think back to some of the great shooters that i had in drama school and even in life mentors and some of the teachers i had in secondary school that were incredibly supportive and so on how important is it especially when you get a little bit older to be of service or help to younger people who would have been in your position or similar or like-minded to you at that age that you have some connection with how important is it to be a mentor and of service to people in the creative industries well i have to say paul when you think about it like like i want to inspire people mm-hmm. that's the one of the reasons why i wanted to be in films i wanted to inspire people mm-hmm. because the films that i watch these people these performers you know, I watched The Doors for the first time. He inspired me with his performance. Like, like early De Niro, he inspired me. You know, mm-hmm. there was something happening in this in the, his performance that inspired me. I want to inspire, inspire people when I teach. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I don't know if you can articulate it uh, 100%, like, why, do, what, what the need is for me to do that, you mm-hmm. know? But... I think it sort of circles back to something helped me and I want to give it back. You know, I want I want to be a service. You know? I want to do my civic duty in the arts. And I so let's get, let's 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 go uh, let's go flashback. <laughs> <laughs> so, whoa, it's 1998. It's Look at my baggy jeans. So we're, so <laughs> so we're back years and years ago. So just before I set up the Actors Workshop Dublin. Have I plugged plugged the Actors Workshop Dublin? No, I don't think you've mentioned the Actors Workshop in Dublin. So uh, I'm uh, not to be confused with the one in in Paris. Exactly. I'm unemployed. <laughs> I'm a, I'm an actor unemployed. I'm doing self tape after self tape. I'm auditioning. I'm and I'm getting nothing for a while. Okay. Yeah. I'm lying in bed. I'm depressed. Yeah, I'm yeah. not happy. I have all this useless information that will not get me a job in McDonald's mm-hmm. what am I going to do I have to share it so let's go back let's go back to <laughs> the year 2000 <laughs> the year 2000 I auditioned for a company called uh, Beg, Borrow and Steal theatre company f- for what I hoped was a play they didn't have any plays at the time but they said would you be interested in being a drama facilitator I was like uh, no thanks uh, I'm going to be a movie star I don't need to, t- to teach your classes uh, just give it a go, you know, teach these kids. How to yeah, I don't need the money. I auditioned for an ad last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have three grand. I'm cash rich. I'm okay. That's going to last me forever. So I did that and then uh, I ended up teaching teaching kids. Way back then. Drama facilitator, yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't advertise these things, especially like in the industry. You're not allowed to be a writer, an actor, a teacher, a filmmaker. They want to see it as one thing. Everything that I do is informed that because I'm an actor. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's number one. So they sent me to uh, to do a teaching a teaching diploma in Betty and Norton, yeah. and that kind of started it off. Uh, and then I was doing a lot of work, work teaching kids in communities and uh, did like access programs at Trinity College and also. The whatever the genius children of uh, DCU, I went down and was patronised by a bunch of 12, 13 <laughs> year olds. You know, it's like the, uh, like the kids from the spelling bee in yeah. like, in uh, in like Magnolia and stuff. I, I was out, <laughs> out Dundrum Dundrum College, and some kid came up to me after working with him for for working with this group for like a a, a week, and he goes, he goes, he sort of rubs his fingers together. He goes, so um, how do how much do you make for this little number? <laughs> And uh, I wasn't able to box him in the face, but uh, you know, it, uh, yeah. So it's been interesting. But the you, whole but teaching you wanted thing. to, yeah. Like you like dealing. That, that's my teaching journey. Yeah. Mic drop. Can you add that in later? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
it's like but uh, you, like I don't know about you but I get a different type of satisfaction working with people in that way I suppose it's it's akin to directing as well it's the you know where you, where you give direction and they take it and run with it and it's going well yeah. it's, it's a different type the, of it's gratification a, the directing thing it's a, it's another form of writing I think you know like yeah. like it's a different draft yeah how did just I wanted to just touch on your writing and stuff as well I mean, you're a you're you multifaceted uh, creative person. So you're a photographer as well, and um, a writer of pl- uh, like a playwright, and also a screenwriter. And now that you've you, you went back and got your MA in, in screenwriting as well, what makes a good story, and how do you write? How do you actually write? Like, do you sit down? And, like, um, I know Roddy Doyle. Um, I was reading something an, an article or an interview with him re- re- uh, relatively recently enough, and he was like, I get up every morning. And have two yep. hours between like half five and you know half five and half seven eight o'clock and then my normal day starts and then i might have a couple of hours of during the day and he's disciplined like that yeah when you're in a, a groove like that is it just vomit draft keep going keep going keep going or are you more disciplined now that you're a little bit older where you go no i'll do an hour here an hour there whenever the mood takes me well, well it used to be uh I I I like when I first started writing properly. I was writing stage plays and stuff. I wrote like the stage play Candy Flint and Butterflies, and it was all it all seemed to be like a you start at like eight o'clock at night and you keep writing until eight o'clock in the morning and you keep doing that. Maybe you have to, you have maybe you have some sort of audition that day. You have to you have to do and then when you get the energy, you go back and you just keep writing and writing and writing for a month or how long however long it takes till it's finished yeah. and then you clean it up and you keep doing it that way uh, I'm older now <laughs> and uh, I'm pretty much down to I will aim for three pages a day some days I'll get one some days I'll get none some days I'll get ten you know mm-hmm. but to just it seems like a, it's it's the only way that I can do it now and, and and I kind of feel when when I do if I did did do an all nighter and I kept trying to do it that way yeah. I I burn myself out and uh, I get sick of it very fast you yeah. know you you want to enjoy the experience somewhat so it's nice that you sort of you can kind of ruminate over a cup of coffee later on ideas come to you like later on during the yeah. day but you're but, open to that you're open to that kind of um, what was it a mate of mine referred to it as the kind of spider web of openness so yeah. like things fly into it and then it's like oh the web is shaked and then I'm going to come out and collect it when it, when it comes to story I'm, I'm not the, like even though I've got, I have an MA in screenwriting for film and television right, calm down Carl relax stop uh, showing off <laughs> I'm, I'm not the best person for story you know it's something that I really have to graph that like, I know? must go back in the intro and, and introduce you as Carl uh, Argue MA Carl Argue MA yeah can, can I put my breaststroke in there, the certificate <laughs> now um, yeah go on sorry yeah, I'm just just not the strongest person with story. Yeah. To be honest, like, and it's something that I kind of, I kind of have to w- work at. And and some of the best writers I know, mm-hmm. you know, even with the MA, the, the people who've done the MA, and uh, they they kind of map map it out for you. You know, like the three act structure. You know, the uh, the midpoint. They just they they map everything out, and it's kind of like if you go to an editor in Screen Ireland. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that they have a form that they they that they tick that like oh does, did, did he hit did he hit what, what happens uh, at the at the end of like, like an, act like one an algorithmic yeah kind yeah. of I um, think they do box ticking exercise yeah. I think they do and I don't, that's not a negative towards them like so if you if you came up with something if you had something they want to be able to go oh it's like uh, Whitney and I or it's like Sideways mm. or, or is it Back to the Future. They put everything in these boxes, and before I had ever done any training, like, um, I'd get really insulted when they would compare. Yeah, it's my like, original. It's work. like the Godfather. It's fuck it's, off. It's an original wor- piece of work, <laughs> yeah, you know. Of course, yeah, yeah. Um, but it needs to feel as if it's organic and it's new, doesn't it? I suppose that's why some writers get very precious about it. That you know, it, and it's well, not a bad thing because whatever makes you finish it. To do can we go if we go back to to the start of what what you were saying, like. I don't think you should map anything out. I think you should just write, you know, uh, and see Ex- what comes exhaust out. Exhaust yourself to write. Uh, write, write the ninety pages and go back and see what it is. And I think, I think, you will organically sort of, you know, y- you'll hit, the, you know, you'll you'll hit the the midpoint. You'll hit, you you'll develop the character so much. You, you, yeah. you probably won't know who the characters are till you get to the end, and you can sort of change it. You, you're going to keep writing this over and over and over again. 
So, like, like that first draft should be precious. It should be it's the most enjoyable experience because when you get to the tenth tenth draft, it's not so much fun. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> writing is not a fun occupation. No. And the fact that I ever like I'm dyslexic, so the fact that I ever even tried to fucking write a script in the first place is beyond me. You yeah. know, um, and I meet people all the time. Uh, great writers, you know, vast readers and stuff, and they said they could, ne- they could never do something like this. And I'm thinking, well, if I could fucking do it, anyone can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um, like, how do you deal with? Um, and a lot, both of us have a lot of experience in this. Um, how do you deal in general terms with rejection? The rejection of what? The creative girls. The rejection of women. Women. No, no. Um, <sighs> Like how do you deal with the with the nose, the hard nose, you know? And there's lots of them, and they continue, and they never they never go away. Now it has to be said as well that you know a lot of people um, that come on the show, um, case in point, is a really quite a successful Irish director was on an Irish show one time. Yeah, and he was like, I nearly didn't come in today. I got a big rejection during the week, and it fucking it got punched me, and I was on the floor, and like uh, you know I, we were all this huge team dependent on that for the for the next year's business, you know? Yeah financially as well. well so it happens to everybody so I, it's not I'm not thing. used with, with with the the writing um we're right. acting like like when I started off one of the best the best business school that I ever could have had when it came to acting was I was taken on by Lorraine Brennan after she, after she saw me in a short film mm-hmm. and she she taught me the ropes you know and one of the biggest things was you know, audition for something and you forget about it yeah okay if, and if something comes from it or not, you know, that's a different story. When it comes to the writing, uh, it's a bit more harder because when you're working on something like an application for, for two weeks or a month, you really want to know if you got it or, or not. Like, you, you know, like it's it's free work, basically. Yeah. Um, so they tend to sting a lot more. Yeah, when it's when you, you've developed something. Like, yeah, it's no less uh, pure, like an actor's input over a couple of days and the hard work that you put yeah. in. But it's not your baby, you know. Not your baby. Not, not in the same way. It's a different thing. Well, well auditions have changed as well. Right. So back in the day, uh, you could go about your daily business and, and get ready for an audition and go in, go in to the room and you could feel it. You, you kind of knew if you were an option or not. Now you're working on a self tape for three days, and you throw it into the eater, and you hear, you hear nothing back, and you're like, oh, nothing. Girl, 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 girl. Yeah, so th- that's that's difficult as well. Like that's another conversation. It's like the self tape thing. I'm just like, hello, wow, hello, ether is my self tape out there. Is that my audition tape? <laughs> hello, hello. What was that? Was it any good? You just don't know, right? I, I I totally agree with that. One of the things that not that I you know I, I audition myself still to this day and I self tape quite a lot also or have done over the years. There's advantages and disadvantages, right? Because sometimes you feel as if uh, and you can correct me based on your own experience how you feel about this. But it, there can be lots of bonuses and advantages in self taping because you can feel as if you put in what you feel is your strongest tape but you don't always know what they're thinking and whether they'll feel it as if it is. And then you're also missing out on the, like you said, when you go in and you get the real-time feedback or vibes and you kind of know there's an un- unwritten um, code or uh, body language or yeah. that you get from the directors or the producers it's, or somebody. It's, it's also the only stage time yeah. uh, screen act- actors get. Yeah. Is what going into that room, and what about the conversation? Like I find a lot of the a lot of jobs that I've got over the years are won and lost in the conversation when you go in, and the conversation after you've taped. Yeah. So if you're relaxed and you're having a crack with people, they go, "Oh, actually, you know, I think I might be able to work with this person." Cause y- you want to be around this person. You only want to be around cool people. Yeah. Okay. That explains why I'm always on my own. <laughs> <laughs> Shit! You, you want to hang with people that are like-minded or that are different and that you, you enjoy their company, you know? Like, you could be the best actor in the world, but if you're a pain in the arse, they're not going to be, not really going to watch you on set. Yeah. Especially when they have, you know, it's such a small country and the options are many, you know? Yeah. Of people that are a good level of competency and talent, you know? Yeah. They'll just go, I'm just going to replace you. So, which leads me nicely to this question. Um, how important is it to be um, decent 
and empathetic when you're working? As an actor? Yeah. Well, empathy is everything, you know, and it's a b- it, it feeds into connection. Empathy is... It is everything, isn't it? Like, you have to be empathetic towards the character you're playing. If it's really... If it's a bad character, you can't judge it. You have to try and be... You have to try and be empathetic or have that air when you're reaching out and you're trying to connect with people to develop these relationships in the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose, I suppose when the director's giving you giving you direction or their, their ideas, I don't know if empathetic is the right word, but you you have to try and meet them. Is what would that be like? You're tr- you're trying to meet them in the middle, or you're, you're trying to understand. What they're saying, yeah, I suppose a, re- a respectful, um, um, cognizant, um, mut- mutual um, kind of partnership. Yeah, like yeah. You're not, you're not going to agree with everything they say, but it's like you know, it's like good voice, good advice. You know, you're not going to take every little bit, but if something sparks or is in line with, with your own values or your own yeah. moral compass, you're going to run with that more. Well, I, I do find with directors. When they give you, when they do give you direction, mm-hmm. they like they don't want that exactly, but that that is usually a jumping off point mm-hmm. for you to 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 give something from you, your own experiences and what you're bring to to bringing to the character. If you give them exactly what they ask for, it's not always exactly what they they want. Mm-hmm. They want you to just take it a little step uh, further. Yeah, and sometimes I always say to actors uh, as well, like. You know, a director is almost like a backseat driver. And I, I don't mean to be disparaging saying that, but I mean, they give you the direction and then you're driving the car. So if you feel something and you can go a different way, you can say that to the director afterwards. I know a shortcut. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, and you can just say, look, something happened and I just went for it. Like, we can do it quite your way or whatever. Mm-hmm. You are in the driver's seat, you know. Usually what, what tends to happen is... You're given given a piece of direction, and you're able to push it a little bit forward or do something a little bit different. And they will turn around and go, "I didn't think of that," you know, or yeah. or even better, they'll claim it as their idea, which is which is exactly what you want them to to do. To, to think, yeah, <laughs> to think, <laughs> you know. I'll ask you just about um about um like you've worked with quite a few directors. Um, do the best directors ask more questions than give more direction? Because I found some good directors I've worked with maybe will pose more questions as opposed to tell you to do exactly this or give you a line reading. So they'll ask you, you know, how would you cope in that situation? How would you react? How would, you know, somebody with a certain characteristic behave in that moment? Like is posing questions, is that a better way to work? To take the, you know, the... It, it can be, like, I've had both, and like, genuinely, uh, when it comes to film, like, I used to do a lot of stuff with Graham Cantwell, and, and he really wants to be down with the actors, and he really wants to be part of creating and developing the character, and he, he'll pose these questions to you, you know? He'll try and uh, excite your mind, spark something in you. Mm-hmm. And I just saw this film recently, The Who We Love. It's good. Amazing performances in it, like... Um, you know, it's people like that, that that are really into it. Like, and then there's there's, like, they want to develop the character and and d- like you're doing the work, but th- they want to be to get their hands dirty that way. And then there's o- other directors who they'll just give you the action. You know, mm-hmm. like there's one director in particular who we kept having to say to him like, uh, stop stop giving me direction in cuts. He, like he would basically say, oh, you don't have to worry about what happens after this because we'll cut. So. Now talk to me like I'm a human being. Like just talk to me as a person. Yeah, stop talking technically. Yeah, yeah. talk to me as the character. You know, mm-hmm. but but that's the other thing. It's like you're you're not working with. Uh, you'll never work with the same person. You have to you have to meet meet these people in the middle. Like you, you have to understand where they're coming from, and hopefully they'll take a step forward and and work with you too. Yeah, and, and stand and and you know stand up to the mark. Um, how do you balance like creative expression? You know. With the demands of kind of commercial stuff as well. I mean, do you, you know, it's that a uh, like as an actor and as a as, as a writer and stuff as well. Do you find yourself kind of leaning towards um, what's topical in society? Yeah. Or do you find yourself sticking to your own creative path and your own decision making process? When it comes to writing and filmmaking, in, in general, yeah. Like, 
Well, well, I, I do. Like, man, I've been trying to sell out for years, like years. Like even when I went here's to do a that, case of Mars bars. I went kid. to do that MA course. I'm like, I'm just gonna write a romantic comedy. I'm gonna sell it. I'm gonna make a million dollars. I'm like, I'm gonna fuck Ireland. Fuck these people. They don't know anything. Like, I'm gonna get the money, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna forget about them. All those people I said I just look after. I'm gonna forget about them. <laughs> so. No, is the answer. You, 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 you write what you know. I no, I no. I'm trying to sell. I keep telling you, I'm, I'm trying to sell out. Like, like I, I tried to write a romantic comedy recently, and I, I wrote, a, I wrote a beautiful art movie, you know. And it's something, something that's, uh, it just comes out of you. Like, I'll, I'll go one way, and something else will happen, you know. Uh, it's, it's what I'm interested in. Like, you can't, you can't write that shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like especially unless you're getting paid for it, you cannot write that shit like your soul you've only got one soul mm-hmm. you know like I don't know how people people do it if I could I would to be honest so how people can just be like a gun for hire like that just yeah but they're, they're very talented they're proper real writers and they can they can lash it out you know mm-hmm. like writing writers get treated worse than actors oh and actors get treated like shit okay <laughs> like directors you know, it's really fucking, really, really hard to to start a career and to maintain a career as a director. They get treated pretty badly, you know. As well, yeah. Uh, but like the writers, like, like I, I just talked about, you know, doing an application for two weeks or a month. These people are working on on a screenplay for years, and when they get a no, fucking hell, man, that's a sting. Like, and when they get paid, they get paid nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Like, like when you see what's happening in America now. The writers strike. Well, yeah. Yeah. Just give them the money, whatever they want. Oh, we'll get we'll get a computer to do it. AI, disrespect. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, like uh, like. Yeah, what we'll do is we'll we'll uh, we'll regurgitate, you know, a general consensus of everybody's previ- previ- previous work into a monotonous stream of consciousness. And, well, they we, and we'll start with that. Scor- uh, Schrader, Paul Schrader said. You know, I, I was thinking about the idea. I was like, they're not going to be able to write movies and this, that, and the other. And Paul Schrader said in an article recently in in the Hollywood Reporter, he said, "Yeah, maybe, but it's like I'm having a dialogue with Paul Schrader." But but he said, uh, "They they have twenty years of episodes of CSI. You know, you put them in, in, into into AI, they they could still come up with a better episode and a more contemporary episode than any writer could faster." And and like it might have to be tweaked here and there, but it's, they can do this shit like already. I've experiment. I've experimented very recently with uh, ChatGPT, um, just that for shits and giggles, not in any way to use it in any way seriously. Now here's the thing that people need to realize about AI and AI writing in particular. There's also search tools to identify AI writing, so they can copy a paragraph of text that you have in something, whether it be for an application or an original story or whatever, and they will know that it's AI. Yeah. So people need to be aware of that for a start if they're using it. If they're not using it as a writing prompt, which is what it's supposed to be for, they w- and they'll you know you'll be found out. So be wary of that. Firstly, secondly, um, I said it just it was the first thing that popped into my head. I was like. Um, experimenting with it was like write me a scene in a movie of a father and son having a crisis talk because his father is an alcoholic and he's facing up he's standing up to his father for the first time and then it was like interior uh, apartment New York blah 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 and then it's like father father walks to the window Um, why are you here son I'm here because you're an alcoholic kind of stuff you know just like really generic mom the, left when you were five this is turning into a radio play it was just <laughs> like diabolically bad and predictable and like but it will get there put, put down the bottle dad I'm not going to put down the bottle I don't have a problem I, you I'm have a, a problem I'm not trying to promote you have or a encourage AI to take over from writers and no in no way am I inferring that I you are but I'm saying like like it is going to get to a point where it will be able to uh, cohesively f- formulate a narrative that will happen. Yeah. But what it what it won't replicate, and we often we've like even one of our hosts of this podcast, Remy, uh, Remy Michelle Clark, is a voiceover artist and a very uh, busy one too. Her voice has been totally ripped by AI, and it's been used on different platforms and all in all sorts of guises yeah. over the last couple of years, l- last year at least. 
And she's been speaking to Vanity Fair and she was on Ray Darcy yesterday talking about it, about how it's being ripped and used as open source voiceover, basically. Um, to the point where her identity, her brand, her identity, her soul, her intonations, her sounds has been plagiarised and stolen. Um, now, I believe that, yes, there's a certain amount that AI can replicate, but it can't replicate vulnerability, emotion, um, empathy, these things that are picked off, uh, that are picked up a, a in your voice, but b also in your in your thought processes and your and your ideas. Not yet. Not not. Skynet is. We got Skynet by the balls now, huh? We don't know what's going to happen. You know, it's it's beyond me. Like like it's beyond like whatever happens with it. There should be something put in place where it's used as a tool, you know? And I think what will end up happening when they resolve that issue in America is, uh, yeah, okay, you can use AI as a prompt or use bits, but it should be writers that use it, mm -hmm. you know? L like, like they're very happy to sort of like, uh, to get AI to take over, you know, uh, customer service, everything, like the amount of jobs that are going to be lost. And I know what happens every time like since the industrial res revolution where a lot of jobs sort of go but this is something on another level you know mm -hmm. and we'll all just stand around like with like fans fanning down the computer so they don't overheat that'll be our yeah <laughs> or they'll use us as food for the computers you know it's it's scary and it, it's a very it's a very real concern but um you know i don't think maybe i'm i'm you know I'm being unrealistic, but I don't think it'll replicate original thought. I don't think it's capable of it just yet. Well, I know plenty of humans that don't have original thought, so you never know. <laughs> right. <laughs> and they're still getting work. And they're still getting paid and funded. I, I'll ask you about, um, just one last question, um, just about in terms of your, you know, your, your career and life's work. Um, what was the biggest obstacle you've had that you've had to overcome in order to continue on the road that you're on? That's a big question. And I can only think of really cheesy answers like the biggest obstacle that I had to overcome was myself. I had to get in yeah. touch with myself and yeah. find out yeah. who my identity was yeah. before I could really take on another identity yeah. when yeah. playing a part. Yeah, man. Sing it. What? I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I followed my dream. You know, like uh, th there, there was a different obstacle every week. Usually what the obstacle was, was money. How do I pay my rent? Yeah. You know, uh, I've got no money. How do I take this girl out? <laughs> <laughs> that's, it. that's it, man. Yourself is usually usually the thing. You follow it and if it works out or if it doesn't. I think, I think the success of being an actor, being an artist uh, is the doing. You know, like there is no big pot of money or fame at the end, or maybe there is for a few people. But even if you get that, that's not the prize. The prize is, and it should be, the work. Mm -hmm. Mic drop. Cara. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 that's, that's absolutely true. I mean, it is, it's the, what we're, what we're working on, right? I mean, it's. It's the journey and what we're, you know, the, the payoff is in the, the, the pride associated with the endeavour, right? Why would we keep doing it? It's like a sickness. Do you know what I mean? Like it genuinely is a sickness. Yeah. We just Her, keep going. Here's going a rubber back. bat. Just keep, back. Look, here's what I want you to do. Once a week, I want you to hit yourself in the face with this rubber bat. Every, every week for the next it's 40 like, years. You know, like being an actor, it's like being in an abusive relationship, you know. You get hit, you get swiped, you get, get locked out. You Oh, they love you, they love you. Oh, they're great. It's like, oh, they're cold shoulders. Oh, it's like... Oh, hello? hello? Not answering your phone anymore. And, and then, oh, let's just be friends. And then they'll start the relationship again. It's like, it's never ending. It's not like most careers, you slowly work your way up. But, but and then you're there forever. Like once you uh, get MD, you're, forever, you're yeah. always at MD status. But like we're, we're in, being an actor, it's like ups and downs and ups and downs. You just can't take it too personally. You can't wait. You can't wait uh so much for the phone to ring to find out about that audition you have to just keep moving forward staying positive yeah. you know and every time you get to get an opportunity to do it even if it's in a workshop or a short film or a feature film whatever it is when you're doing it that's a success and that's what what the biggest stars in the world are doing and you're doing it too mm -hmm. 
except you're getting the bus home. You're driving home in a limo. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Jesus, that was very pleasurable altogether. Thanks a million for uh, for stopping in. Um, guys, check out the Actors Workshop Dublin. Check out my short film, which is now available for free, The Anti-Love Pill, on Vimeo. Okay. Cool, I'll stick a, a link in the description. And also, I'm available for work, if there's <laughs> any young directors out there. And also, actually, you know a few producers, don't you? Uh, it's, uh, a couple of them have been on the show, all right? Yeah, but they don't listen to the show. They just come on it and talk. But yeah, I'll... Uh, well, well, I'm looking for a very talented producer to uh, collaborate with on a number of projects. I like that. Always be closing. A, 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 always be B's. Always be closing. Okay, guys, Um, you know... Um, if you'd like to support this show, if you found anything of value there um, and you're an actor and you want to dip your toe in the water or you're, you know, you need a bit of a confidence boost or whatever, give Carl a shout. Um, um, on, do you have an email address? or? Uh, I'm on Instagram, okay. Carl, are you actor? And also you can check out my photography. We didn't get a chance to talk about yeah, my photography. I, uh, no, Carl, are you shots? Carl, are you shots? Yeah, you had a uh, an exhibition in the... In Bernard Shaw. The Bernard Shaw, produced by filmmaker Zoe Doyle, mm-hmm. um, and we nearly sold out. Like it went really well for my first debut exhibition. Lovely man. You know, it's great to see. I'm sorry I couldn't get down. By the way, <laughs> no. I seen it and I was like, oh, I have to go. And then I, it's one of those things the where you're like, and then I went, ah, fuck him, fuck him, fuck him. Well, it doesn't matter, Paul. There wasn't very many pieces left by the time you would have came. Anyway, Did you so. sell them? Did you sell, sell them? So, I think we sold 18, 19 pieces. That's amazing, you know? man. Congratulations. Great to see. Um, I suppose the, the moral of this particular story is, you know, you can have many strings to your bow and be a creative person. So don't let anybody tell you any different, right? Yeah, follow your dream. Absolutely. Care by the end. I'll be back. <laughs> uh, yeah guys uh, if you want to support the show head on over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash FNI get involved become a member you'll get free tickets to events and um, little uh, um, workshops and screenings and whatever else that comes our way in terms of benefits uh, we'll share them with you we will be your friends with benefits so become a friend on Uh, Become a member on buymeacoffee.com forward slash FNI. Have a great day. Carl, you're a great man. And that is hard to argue. Thank you. (laughs) This is how it's always been. Double Love is a podcast in which we explore the strange and terrifying world of Sweet Valley High, book by book. Join me, Anna Carey. And me, Karen Moynihan. As we revisit one of the maddest series of books ever written. Or ghostwritten. If you ever read about Elizabeth and Jessica, the perfect blonde Wakefield twins, then you might enjoy listening to us absolutely tearing them to shreds. Affectionately, of course. Of course. And even if you didn't, there's still plenty of drama, kidnapping, stolen boyfriends and school dances to entertain you. Find us on the Headstuff Podcast Network and wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.